What's up, Soul Family? In a rare occurrence, we have a special repeat guest. Welcome back, Dr. Nicole LaPera, to the Feeling Free podcast. I am excited to have her back. The evolution of her own healing journey, her relationship with fear, how and when she feels it, what she does about it. She's honestly one of my favorite humans, and I'm excited to celebrate her courage. Her book, that's a number one best time New York Times bestseller, which is incredible. And she feels fear more than you think. I think like people don't realize how, whether it's her or people of great accolades or accomplishment or success, how much they feel fear. And I appreciate her so much for sharing and what she does. And if you haven't heard, we have a retreat coming up, which is almost sold out. We have a few spots left and this is happening in Sedona, Arizona, May 27th through the 30th. I've heard some amazing synchronistic stories about how people set an intention or or they asked source, they asked the universe, they asked God for something to show up in their life. And this popped up at the exact right time. So if you got a little tingle, if you got a little flutter in your heart when I mentioned the retreat in Sedona, Arizona, a healing, self-discovery, spiritual, just growth retreat that's really in the theme and intention is remember your truth because you're not fixed, you're not broken. All we need to do is remember. And if you're on the edge, I would encourage you to lean into that feeling and notice how expansive, how free, how light you feel and lean into that feeling because this retreat, this home that we have is incredible. It's it's on a riverside estate, which has its own swimming hole, which is amazing. And it's protected by an electromagnetic magnetic force field, which shields us from intruding energies. We have a hot tub that overlooks the Red Rocks. Um, we're pretty close to Uptown Sedona, which is it's like a five, 10 minute drive away. Um, so the hot tub is nice for obviously relaxing after you dig deep in the expansive and transformative workshops. And I'm so excited we have an on-site uh, massage therapist. So, and they specialize in intuitive body and energy work to release stored traumas. So in addition to the mind and the heart, um, actually working with this person uh, to release what's stored in your body. And you'll hear that of part of what even Nicole's talking about in this episode. She talks about what's stored in your fascia and like your energy body, like your fear body. So that's why it's so important in addition to just working through like the subconscious or the mind, it's really important to do the body work, which is why we have a massage therapist coming. And of course it goes without saying that we're gonna build community by connecting with an incredible group of humans through our hands-on workshops and heart opening activities. The best thing is definitely just like the people that you meet and connect with so quickly and you become a loving family, just connected and in tune. So if that calls to your heart, go to the link in the description. It's feeling-free.com slash events. If things, if this sings to your heart, I would love to see you. We have a few spots left. So please act quickly if you want to join us in Sedona. And if for some reason you're hearing this later in the future at the exact time you're supposed to, you can also get on the wait list for the next retreat or just go to my website, feeling-free.com and you can find all the offerings on there as well. Um, all those links are also in the description. So thank you so much. I'm excited for this conversation. This is going to be really fun. And this is, I didn't really mention, but a year ago, from when this is releasing is I had my very first podcast episode um, with Nicole, which is incredible um, that all, everything has come full circle a year later. So it's a beautiful conversation. All right, y'all. 
Let's get into this convo. Cue the intro and let's go. Welcome to the Feeling Free Podcast. My name is Ben Harris, also known as the Fear Guy. My job is to help you feel more free in your life with love and relationships, self-worth, and much more. I'm happy you're here. I love you. I believe in you. Let's break free from fear together. Hey, there we go. (laughs) Love it. is that how you, I know you have a whole team now, but it's, I feel like that's just the energy of that song that kind of everyone brings to the, to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Russ and, <laughs> Russ and I go, ever since I discovered his work, um, there's so much about his artistry, his songs that I really resonate with and get a lot of empowerment from these days. <laughs> I love that. Well, I just so you know, I, you can blame Jenna cause I asked Jenna for what, what's, what's your most, what's, what song bangs for you the most? Love it. Like, often heard banging around in our car when we need to hype it up. So I appreciate it, Jenna. Thank you. Of course. Um, well, what like this, this freaking thing, this physicalization? How does it feel? Lots of things. Um, I think from the start to the finish, honestly, Ben, it's just been a whole ball snowball of feelings (laughs) (laughs) positive negative and neutral um like i said i'm settling in now it's just been a whirlwind for Mm -hmm. leading up to it and pretty true to my conditioned form um, i tend to go into get it done mode overachiever mode Mm -hmm. read the book and are familiar with some of my archetypes i very much resonate with that so when there's stuff to be done accomplishments to be had such as around a book I get very much into driven mode, just check mm-hmm. the boxes and plow through. Um, and very, you know, kindly, I've had a lot of people along the journey, especially in the more recent, um, asking me how I'm doing. And I've had a hard time um, figuring out how I'm doing. <laughs> I've not, you know, hit pause to do so. So now I think I'm in the stage of realizing <sighs> that and attempting to ground myself so that I, I can tune into what it really is like for me to have this living in, now in the world. <laughs> I love that. That's beautiful. Um, how do you feel? Can we just take, do you feel comfortable like taking a pause with me just for a moment? Absolutely. Just because it's like, like for real, I know like so many people are like hyped up and you know, you posted the video of you basically like <laughs> out of your body <laughs> breaking down, <laughs> but just like, Oh, like for real, like this is so cool. And I know people probably, you know, I know they tell you and everything, but oh, like, I just want to like, I'm just like breathing into my heart and just like, because this is so important, like to take a pause and to appreciate what this means, not only for you, but hundreds of thousands of millions of people, um, And like when I, mm, and you saw that uh, TikTok reel that I posted and like half of the comments on TikTok were like, OMG, I just got the book or I just ordered the book and like, I love it. Or it's, oh my gosh. And um, so definitely deserve a breath, a breath, a breath and a pause because it's amazing. Um, and that's so interesting. And I think one of your, 
superpowers like in the book right like you're using yourself as literally how to do the work with you and the best part because other books put like kind of like uh worksheet-esque things at the end but you did it differently and that's what i love because even i've been thinking about that like on my own work like well how do i actually like like give people like the real like tools so it's not just like a half-assed so you still rely on me right to like so you keep coming back so it just doesn't really quote unquote fix you or heal you it's just and so for you i loved how you literally like there's nothing held back it's just using you as an example and like look use this for your own inspiration but like this is literally like how to do it which is amazing I appreciate um, your acknowledgement of that. Something I've always attempted is twofold, really. Um, outside of providing access, I think is what you're speaking to. Here are the tools, mm -hmm. you know, outside of buying the book. And of course, outside of following along with the free Instagram where I am talking about this, here are the what to do. Um, I've always, you know, thought that is incredibly, incredibly important. And something else I always am considering is how do I speak globally? Right? How do mm -hmm. I apply things that worked for me, understanding that we're all individuals, we're all different. Um, so how can I kind of macro, speak to the macro? How can I make this concept applicable to many? Um, and that's something, you know, in terms of a skill, a craft as being a teacher, I'm still kind of leaning into um, knowing that we're all subjective. We all do lead from our experience um, and honoring the inherent differences in each of us. So when I'm thinking about providing the access to the tools, I'm always thinking about providing tools that are, you know, as universally resonating as possible. Yeah, I love that. And again, what you spoke to of even like, it's so cool just to hear you speak to even releasing something so amazing and like in a big goal, like even something so amazing is still medicine, like of you releasing it and like, taking the breath and the pause and appreciating it is still like still part of the work, which is so cool. Yeah. And part of the work is even embodying the process of me putting this out there to the world and obviously mm -hmm. hearing the feedback and seeing it now living in people's journeys and having then all of my own deeper levels of conditioning. Like I shared with a little bit around the overachiever stuff. Uh, my ego has been kicked up throughout this process. Um, this idea that even, you know, I can sit here and listen to you tell me, oh, I posted this TikTok or what have you. And, you know, a large majority of my following has the book and I can see the book selling out. I can see mm -hmm. the book as a number one times bestseller. And there's still a very big part <laughs> of me that is, are you sure you really want this book? I can't believe people want this book. So, so interesting. Doesn't matter what the objective feedback is. Sometimes um, it's we still have that story in our head mm. and stay bound to. And for me, that's, you know, that feeling of I'm not considered why would anyone take mm. my saying or take my journey and learn from it um, is still very much alive and well even in the process of putting out the work and I share this because I think sometimes people view especially you know that I wrote a book and I'm somewhere along <laughs> the journey that might mm -hmm. be not where you're at I think a lot of times we assume this all-knowingness or this fact that we're past actually doing the work ourselves and I'll be the first one to admit I actually saw someone put a you know a a screenshot of a page in the book um, and it was one of it was a sentence where I acknowledge my I'm speaking from a place of continued healing Ooh, cool I kind of acknowledge my past self for being so <laughs> intentional with that wording in that moment you know and uh -huh. acknowledge the the human who screenshot that um, you know finding value in that aspect of my my wording 
Um, because I think that is what we are all a testament of. We are all in healing. There is no end. And I'm not speaking to anyone from the end. Um, I'm speaking from the journey. <laughs> Which is, uh, it's so different. And it's funny, even that's one thing I've learned, which is crazy that, you know, we spoke a year ago, which is insane, but that's really one thing that I've let go of within myself and other people is that what you're speaking to. Um, and so like, I just know it, it helps so much. And one thing that you are always open about too, is the fear that you feel and then you still do the thing is right here, smiling and smirking. <laughs> So what, what is coming up right now as far as whether it's recently or just a big thing or whatever, like what is your relationship with fear in that way? Yeah, fear, fear is part of even my day-to-day experience, even outside of a large part of my journey that I share in the book and I talk about my work. It's essentially my journey beyond fear, acknowledging that for a very long time, a lot of my habits and patterns were centered around nervous system dysregulation, coming from an early environment that didn't feel safe. Um, So now, you know, flash forward in time with a lot of conscious awareness and embodiment work, learning how to stabilize my nervous system, I don't live under the constant fear that I once did. I don't live waiting for the next shoe to drop, Mm -hmm. right? Looking around every corner for the next thing that's going to get me as I once did. I mean, that, my my book, uh, my journey, how to do the work and my story of healing, and it is really of one of metabolizing fear that was my body, that was my life. Um, that was my outer environment, very much a reflection of my inner world for so long. So you might think I'm beyond fear now. <laughs> now I'm just balanced and grounded and things shouldn't be scary. And yet here I am acknowledging that fear is still part of my day to day. What's different is I now feel resilient. I now feel confident and I can empower myself. Even if I am scared, um, I can still learn how to do it anyway. Um, and I've also learned that I can begin to tease apart fear And I can begin to understand that some aspects of fear aren't coming from a place of scared um, or threat or actually coming from possibly a place of excitement, right? Very vulnerably as we put ourselves out in the world, it can be an exciting um, Mm. place to be too. Wow. What will the world do with myself or my expression or my work? So I'm beginning to get a little more discretion, I think might be the word and not just throw everything into the, the, you know, oh, the camp of fear must be, I'm scared. (laughs) I think as we expand, maybe even our definitions or for me, as I've expanded my definition, I can acknowledge that maybe I'm just excited sometimes. And that feels a little less scary to walk through than the fear, though the fear is there. (laughs) (laughs) Acknowledging it. What is, yeah, there's, how do you, so when I know, like you have so many people around you, but what is, whether it's the story you mentioned at the beginning, right. Of why would people want to consider me? Right. Or, or like, cause you still feel the fear of, I forgot already. Like, I know you feel it, but last time was like doing your live meditation, you know, in Venice before you live there and like, and all these different things. And you like even putting the book out and all these different things that's continually doing that. So whether it's like, the step like what is your process or those stories what is your personal um ritual like practice look like so i have the consistent stuff that i do day to day just to keep myself embodied to keep myself grounded for me it looks like carving out time to be connected to my physical body um, practicing meditation moving my body i know that for me as the energy of fear begins to pile up i get 
an actual visceral or a yeah. body sense of agitation. Well, like, how you said metabolizing fear, I like how you describe that because it literally like I picture it getting like hard. Yeah, it like can in become, your body, and it does. I mean, mm-hmm. there's an energy. There are energies. There are hormones. Um, when our nervous system is activated, there are real physiological shifts and changes that if we don't let out, release, allow ourselves to alchemize or metabolize it, they do get stuck. Um, they get stuck. I still have remnants of my fear body in my mm. posture um, in a very real way. I have musculature, right? That's yeah. stuck now. I have fascia that's actually become literally stuck that I'm working Crazy. every day to, to move a bit. Um, so for me, it's those consistent practices that will ne- that will always be a part of my my future because it keeps me connected, it keeps me grounded, and it keeps me conscious to my body's signals, to when my body does start to lose resources, to lose its ability to deal with stress, which I'm right ripe in the middle of now with <laughs> all of those right endless obligations. My tendency to not care for myself, to go into do mode, often does leave me without my resources. So I had a really honest conversation with myself over the past week or so, acknowledging <laughs> that while I'm sitting here saying, oh yeah, take care of my body. I do yes. all those things. I'll be the first to admit I haven't been consistent with self-care in the mm-hmm. past couple of weeks. Because the first thing for me that flies off because I tend to prioritize the doing of my to-do list is my self-care. So this weekend I hit that hard stop. I you know, shift it back and I'm beginning to integrate those consistent practices. So that's my always um, really making sure I not even just consistently am doing those things, but I'm consistently checking in with myself throughout the day. I'm having that temperature check to see how am I doing? Am I, do I need some more resources to go and be about the world the way my yeah. obligations require of me? Um, and then having the hard, making the hard decision. And the answer is no, I need to hit stop. I need to take a pause. I need to maybe even ask for support. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the area that I'm continuing to build new habits and patterns. Cause what I found within myself, Ben, I struggle. I am used to doing it alone. I am used to just mm-hmm. going into my channel mode where I just get my shit done. <laughs> and I'm not used to sharing the deeper stuff that's going on, the insecurity, the vulnerability. I'm not used to relying on now the beautiful team that I have around me, empowered mm. individuals committed to the work who can do all of these things. That means I have to ask for the help and relinquish the control and I still struggle. So even if I stay attuned and I do acknowledge that I'm in a deficit, I need support. I have something coming up that's a bit bigger than me. Mm. Now I have to build that bridge and begin to create a new habit of being vulnerable, of asking and receiving support, especially around fear. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing. What is that? What is that story for you? Is it just because you're so used, like you said, you're just so used to doing it alone? Um, yeah, so from a very lone point um, in childhood, not really having emotional supports in particular, um, and seeing very early on that I, it's so very beautiful how this all comes together, that I could channel my activation, my agitation into certain things. For me, my two earliest channels became sports and academics. Um, that also kind of was how I was seen. I was loved in my family. I was celebrated. I was, if you will, considered. Um, so for me, that story of I'm alone, the, the world is stressful and I'm at it myself. I can't rely on every, anyone else goes really, really deep. So now it's mm-hmm. not only peeling back that narrative and creating a, a new awareness. So I can logically say, <laughs> oh yes, I have a lot yeah. of amazing supportive people in the world that can show up for me. 
obviously now it's the embodiment of that asking for support, giving myself mm. new experience, not being that little girl who was alone in adulthood. Now learning how to be an adult who's not alone. Which is so awesome. And like for you, because embodiment is, has been big for me because it's literally like what you talked about, like your fear body, right. Of like, um, like the fight or flight, like the clothes are always the leaning forward or like the fetal position, you know, and it's, and talk about your fascia, fascia, whatever you, how you say it. <laughs> and it's like, whatever. And then, but you, it, it's, it literally becomes, um, and people, most of us don't realize it's literally like it's energetic, you know, fire and wire, whatever, but it's literally in your body and like, and your muscles, it repeats, repeats, repeats. And so it, that's what, it just feels normal. So, and I know you've talked about this, but that becomes our default state of like literally this fear body of like always feeling fear because I'm not safe of something's going to happen to me. Um, is it, is it really just like your breath work and practices and reminding and like that embodiment or what, what does that embodiment look like to really feel free and loved? Yeah. It's, you know, I, I focus on the embodiment a lot, Ben, um, because for a very long time in the field, especially psychology, we had this idea that if we just reframed it, right, if we just thought differently, see <laughs> in the gold standard, right, we would just get a new result, get a new feeling, get a new choice option available to us and be a new human in the world. Um, and what I've come up against in my own life and within, with my clients with whom I used to work time and time again was that just not enough mm -hmm. um, embodiment. We actually, act, actually have to teach for many of us down to the physiology, down to the hormones in our body, down to the you know, postural structure of our body, a new experience of safety. Um, so I have a, as you were speaking, a moment flashed into my mind because not only do we become, we become so familiar with our fear body, if you will, anytime we try to take a logical step in a new direction, right, toward a new thought that might allow us to feel better, what happens mm. in our body is what I call resistance. That discomfort that's inherent with change that for many of us becomes the you know, compelling reason to <laughs> stay in that familiar. Mm -hmm. So around fear in particular, I'll share about the poignant moment that popped into my mind. I was doing yoga. So for me, yoga has become a foundational practice of embodiment. Um, and it be began very gently with gentle stretching, gentle, not, you know, any Ashtanga crazy yoga, just how can I be in my body, consciously use my attention to my body and its sensations, and begin over time to use that attentional control where I can allow my breath to become a regulator of my body. So for me, that was a foundational practice that began really small. I had this one moment that came to mind where I happen to pick, um, I think a lot about the heart space, especially around fear, right? Because when we're constricted, even my body, the way I'm describing my posture, I'm hunched over, mm -hmm. heart is closed and constricted, even visually, right? You can see that. So this one particular day, long story short, I picked a heart opening practice. Um, very quick, I think it was like 10, 15 minute practice and it was heart openers. And I said, sure, I hit play and I'm <laughs> doing my yoga. And I was in one particular pose where I was, you know, opening my chest, my heart and my hips, um, another area where we contain a lot of energy and emotion. And I actually had the visceral experience of my heart rate beginning to go up um, of mm -hmm. what one might feel as and label as being panic or anxiety. And I'm sitting in this pose and my heart rate's going up and I'm, I'm this is supposed to be calming me down, right? Isn't this <laughs> like helping me feel better? 
Um, so I use that as an example, because for me, that open posture, that vulnerability was actually releasing and sending me into discomfort, into a new space. So yes, my heart rate was elevated. Yes, I was having sensational changes in my body. Um, in that moment, I had two options. I could mislabel that and say, oh, this is dangerous. My heart is raising. This is you know, somewhere I should remove myself from, get out of the pose, shut the practice down and keep it moving. Or as I practiced doing and continue to practice doing, <laughs> I could use my breath. I could learn how to regulate myself through a new experience, through something that's unfamiliar to my body. And when I'm doing that, I'm widening the window. I'm showing myself that I can empower my body even um, to go through the different discomforts that come with being new, embodying a new experience. Um, so it is the kind of that bridge again that I'm always mm. talking about from intention, thought, the awareness that this thing might be good to doing the thing and then embracing the discomfort of doing the thing, widening our window of tolerance and moving us in the direction of a future that's now different from the repetitive patterns that that past kept us in. Mm. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. So as you described that, right, because it's, you know, fear isn't like literally protecting like you have that gut knowing whether it's don't step in front of the car or this person is manipulative manipulative you know or it could be what you're talking about like the resistance of i look at it like a compass like that fear is literally t it's the thing that i really care about the most is like follow that shit like yo trust me <laughs> your your most amazing life is over here but you're gonna have to go through this thing mm -hmm. and so what is you like your intuition or your knowing or that feeling of discernment with that? Yeah. So we have our journey, you know, I believe, and I get this question in a different, a lot of different ways, you know, some version of how do I know um, the difference? And until we begin to drop into the body and to, you know, acknowledge our different signals of nervous system activation, um, we don't know. Um, so many of us are responding to signals from our bodies that are, you know, occurring outside of our awareness um, that are coming from, you know, the dysregulation of a nervous system that feels the same. You know, it's confusing a bit to know what is my intuition and what is fear. Um, intuition is, is typically not as big as fear feels. Um, intuition is typically heard, if you will, for lack of a better word, in silent moments, not as we're going about our day and a big feeling washes over us. Um, and that's usually, again, the results of that nervous system of the heart rate going up of, you know, that um, dysregulation. So the journey is we have to first develop that balance in our nervous system, learn what it feels like when I'm activated, and more importantly, even learn how it feels like when I'm not activated. Um, once I build, rebuild a balance, um, then I can get a bit clearer on that inner knowing. And like I said, usually our intuition begins to speak to us when we're quiet, when mm. we're not activated, when our heart rate's not a million miles a minute. That's very real, what's happening in that moment. I'm not meaning to minimize it. That does mm -hmm. contain information. Yep. That is a messenger of something happening deeper for us, you know, given our current experience, our environment. Um, again, though, the, the pathway back is rebuilding the balance, learning what our individual markers are of that intuition. And for many of us, that means creating the space to hear it. And it's probably not going to be coloring our day-to-day -day experience. Our intuition is probably going to speak when we're taking that quiet moment, moment to turn inward. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. How has your perspective of healing or the human journey over 2020 and like the past year, what, 
it doesn't have to be quote unquote like the biggest thing, but one is one thing that just calls to you or speaks to you of how your own perception or experience of the healing journey, how has that evolved? I think in 2020, we, it's, it's almost become an equalizer in a sense for, for a lot of us in terms of the journey of healing, meaning so many of us, because of changes in our life circumstances are shifted out of that autopilot, um, made to look a little differently, right? At the world around us as it changes, as it appears different. Um, and others of us are, you know, having changes, legitimate changes in our life circumstances where things are coming up for us. We're at home with the partner, right? That challenges maybe a deeper core wound or, you know, et cetera. So 2020, like I said, becomes, or the way I, I image it is it's, it's quite a great equalizer, um, activating a lot of us in our core traumas, our core conditioning, um, bringing to the surface many, for many of us, the older ways that we navigate stress, conflict, et cetera, um, challenging us, giving us, as we might say, an opportunity mm -hmm. um, to create some change and fear, the context of, of you and your work and our conversation, <laughs> mm -hmm. I think is one of the predominant things um, yeah. that's equalizing. Many of us are being shifted into a state of nervous system activation, coloring our experiences again with all of the habits and patterns of how we deal with that activation, especially because we are, many of us are living states of loss. We are living in security in different ways. We do have financial circumstances changing or relationships changing where we might've been experiencing loss. Um, and anytime again, our, our security uh, is, is destabilized, fear is typically the, the pathway we go down. So then the question is, well, how do we navigate fear in our mm -hmm. life? Are we someone who feels resilient who has tools, who has maybe supportive relationships um, in their environments to, to lean on for support. Because when we are stressed as humans, that's one of the very particular times that we do need community. We are wired to connect specifically in times of stress. Um, so this is, I think, coming to the surface for many of us because many of us don't have those supportive relationships. We don't have the tools first and foremost of how to even navigate our own body's reaction to stress. And we're falling back into old cycles that are then coloring our, our experiences. Mm -hmm. And for you, one thing that I saw, and I, I'm curious to ask you about this, is the whole, I'm just gonna say canceled, because that's the only word I can think of. How, if you're okay speaking on this, tell me if you're not, but how did you, cause like I'll preface this with my own thing of like, even just a little bit of people coming towards me and like, I have nowhere near the platform you do. And even just me feeling that fear of like, Oh my gosh, and all these different things that could happen and like, whatever I can't imagine. So I'm just curious to hear like, how did you with people literally like, I would say, I get where they're coming from. Like they have their beliefs and like perceptions, perception stories, but like, how did you, yeah, I'm just curious. How did you deal with that when people were coming so like poisonously, like, like literally attacking you? I, I appreciate Ben, you asking. Um, and, and quite honestly, it was really destabilizing yeah. for my team. Um, it did, it did trickle out to other members of my team directly though, indirectly too, right? Mm -hmm. When a, when a member of our, of our core group, um, is, is stressed. Um, I talk about this in the book, the function of our nervous systems together in relationship. 
And when one nervous system is dysregulated, those that we're closest to, especially my partner, Lolly, Jenna, who I spend a lot of physical time and proximity mm -hmm. with now, Furcon, when my nervous system is activated, it is sending messages that I am not safe for the people around me. So outside of direct um, issues and, and statements and you know accusations and misinterpretations that were being directed at my team, it was that indirect effect as well. And it was very, very destabilizing for all of us. Um, it threw me right back um, mm -hmm. to the old way that I, I deal with, with threat, um, which for me is, is twofold. Um, I act like it doesn't bother me for a very <laughs> long time and I try yeah. to stop it down yeah. until it comes erupting everywhere. And then I get stuck. Mm -hmm. and I watch myself get stuck in a cycle of agitation where I don't detach from the issue that's causing the activation. I actually dive head into it. I then look at the, you know, the misinformation. I then look at all of the accusations. I almost dive even deeper headfirst yeah. into it, overwhelming me even more and rendering me, you know, more destabilized. Um, so for me, I thought a lot about our nervous system and, and, and trauma um, and just outside of even myself, just other humans who are living visibly on the internet um, who are, you know, opening themselves up to the different misinterpretations that happen as we begin to share our stories honestly. Um, and I talk a lot about learning how to tolerate uh, misinterpretation. However, you know, that's, that is separate from also then how to keep oneself safe, um, how to implement boundaries, um, how not to put ourselves, you know, vulnerably or like I was doing, diving head first into something that's destabilizing me. So for me, it was then a conversation around how do I maintain my own boundaries separate from others? How do I maintain boundaries around what I'm looking at, when I'm looking mm. at it, how often I'm looking at it, checking in with myself. And if I'm too destabilized to make the very hard decision to stop looking at it in that moment <laughs> to, to regain um, that grounding. So for me, I thought a lot about my own personal boundaries. How am I creating safety so that I can return to being a safe human for those around me. And it, it was incredibly challenging. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Yeah, just because I, yeah. Yeah, complete, yeah, just misunderstanding and like misinformation. And it's like, what can you do? It's like. That's separate and that, that's the thing is while I always say, you know, separate yourself if you cannot take it personally, though there then is, how do I still protect myself? Yeah. I could explain something away and not take it personally, mm -hmm. but right, you're still in my inbox. You're still you know, <laughs> yeah. doing all the things, trying to get my attention, yes. get a different response from me or different reaction. So in that moment, I can understand and keep myself safe. Um, and I think that's that's the goal for all of us in all of our relationships, because there are different levels of awareness that the people are operating, you know, within around us. Um, we can't change them while we might wish we could, though we still need to figure out the way to create safety, um, which for some in some of the relationships means removing ourselves or putting up a boundary so that we can have a bit of a distance. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and another thing that I know has evolved for you too is your relationship with your family because right for a long time you were open about not having not communicating with your family and then you shared about your dad can you share that story just because i love it yeah absolutely so to go back um somewhere i guess it was geez was it like a year ago now um i started to you know think about my family wonder i mean i thought <laughs> about them our entire time we were out of contact but think about them yeah. in, a, in, a, in a more open way Mm -hmm. uh, think about the possibility of a future. I think that was the shift. 
and being, you know, in a, in gradually accumulating confidence in myself, I began to, you know, entertain the possibility of communicating with them, with them again and seeing, because up, up until that point, I didn't know how they received my ask, my request for distance. Um, I had a, a here and there birdie in my family who might have told me that, you know, something that they heard, but it really wasn't, I had little to no idea of what they were doing with the time and space. So I didn't know what door I was opening and what, you know, reaction I would see on the other side of that door. However, like I said, by that point, I was feeling confident enough that I could see where they were and navigate what needed to happen next for me. Meaning, did I feel safe beginning, you know, continuing or trying to cultivate a new relationship or had I opened that door and, and you know, saw more of the same, maybe I would have closed that door. So for me, it was curiosity. I really didn't mm -hmm. know what would come of it because I didn't know where they were at with anything. I didn't even, wasn't even sure, Ben, if they were interested mm -hmm. at that point, you know, for all I knew. Because how long has it, had it been? It had been almost two years. Okay by that point. And, and I imagine that they felt my request for distance at that initial point when I made it um, quite out of nowhere. I imagine it was quite shocking for them. While I had made multiple attempts to create direct and indirect boundaries within my family, um, I don't believe they were a witness to it, if you will. I think for them, they're like, oh, out of left field. Why is Nicole gone now? <laughs> so again, their level of awareness, though what I was met with was it had shifted and changed. They did take that opportunity while they were, you know, inc incredibly upset by it, different versions of upset, um, they themselves were in family therapy and they were looking a bit at their patterns, cool. at what was, what was actually, what was I talking about? They were attempting to understand. Cool. So that opened the door a bit. Um, I attended several family sessions with them. For me, I wanted to. Um, I wanted to do it in a family, in a therapist uh, environment because I still was struggling with boundaries. I wasn't sure if I was going to slip right back into <laughs> those habits and patterns. So doing it in the context of a family therapy session that they already had um, in their world to me did feel a bit safer. So I welcomed the invitation and I attended several sessions. And of course, we gradually transitioned. We had hard conversations <laughs> um, and we gradually transitioned into out of you know, therapy contact. Um, and now we're several, year, uh, several months past that point. Um, my family is very well aware. They all follow the account. They know how open I am and how much um, their own journeys and their own stories do color the work that I put out daily and are also presented in the book. Um, so a particular conversation with my dad that actually happened just last week. Um, he had gotten, I guess he'd gotten through enough of the book to read enough <laughs> of family content. And you know, yeah. his feelings came up for my dad. Mm -hmm. And you know, we now, instead of brushing it under the rug, like my family had done historically until it inevitably erupted somewhere down the line, we talk about it. We've Amazing. had a hard conversation where, you know, my dad wanted some clarity around why, why did I feel like I needed to share my story? And while it was very uncomfortable, um, I've gotten to a place where I've learned how to share. Um, I've learned how to explain to him why it's important for me, allowing him to have his feelings about it and also allowing myself to maintain what's important to me, regardless of how he feels to some extent, not in a cold way, in a compassionate way. And ultimately, as a result of conversations like that, um, we actually are gaining mutual understanding. Uh, my dad can see now my why, can understand, can because I could hear what his concern was, that allowed him to relax a bit and hear 
my why and receive my why. So I imagine, Ben, there's going to be many more conversations <laughs> of this nature that we'll have to mm -hmm. as a family or we'll choose to engage in. Um, and for talking about fear, I think a lot of it does come from, I know a lot of it does come from fear in my family. My dad's fear of what will people think? Yep. My mom's fear of what will people think? How is it to be exposed in this very global now way? And yeah. I'll be the first to say, and I should share one of the first things I said with my dad before I explained my why is I reflect it right back to him how vulnerable I feel being out in the world, that this isn't just him feeling like, oh, my family's out on display. I feel, oh. My family's out on display. So in that moment, and I think that's what actually allowed him to relax. I was sitting next to him and we mm. were both looking at the book and being like, wow, this is vulnerable and scary because it was for both of us. That's beautiful. That's so cool. And they're in there. He's in his eighties, right? My dad is, he was born in 37. So yeah. 83. Yeah. And my so, mom, 80. so if you think about that, I love that because it's like, yo, quote unquote, never too late or whatever, but that's just so cool. And what is your thought on, because of course we can't, we cannot control people. However, what, how I have noticed is when I've truly changed my inner world and like even like my energy, energy and embodiment and integration, um, I literally see how my presence, like not, you could say influences, I could say activate, you could say whatever, but it comes from a different place because I think I was trying to change people before mm -hmm. I was trying to fix them by doing the thing. But truly when I come from like just embodying the thing and not even trying to like change or heal or help people, I've literally seen them do the thing. And I know that's not going to happen with everyone, but how, what are your thoughts around that with even like your family? Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, I can't agree more. You'll always hear me professing. Uh, much to our dismay as humans, quite globally, that we can't actually change those around us. And that energy, right, of trying to overpower, even if mm -hmm. we think very well intentionally, we're trying to do so to relieve, right, the discomfort of the problem that <laughs> this person is struggling with, it still is an energy that is felt directly or indirectly um, within those around us. And our energy is felt too. And as we become a self-contained whole human who's not, right, attempting to change the world around us, we do transmit different energies to people and we are then received differently. Our relationship can be experienced differently by both parties. Um, and in my opinion, that typically is the more successful pathway to create change in those around us. It's not the way we had once hoped, which is ultimatum, or if I point a finger yep. and make life so uncomfortable for you the way it is, you'll have to change. It's actually by focusing inward. How, do I, how can I experience this exp environment differently, this relationship with you differently, assuming you're going to continue on as you are? What do I need to do to create safety, to meet my needs? And as I begin to focus inward, we can release energy and, and shift the world around us. So same thing with my family. Like I said, when I left, when I asked for space, my intention was to focus on me. I knew I needed the space to heal. I knew I needed space to figure out who I was, what my needs were outside of always running them through my family first. And I didn't know what that would mean for them, nor did I know what they would do. It wasn't my ultimatum attempt at, if I leave, you'll see I'm gone and now you'll change. I had mm. all of the you know, awareness that I could return and things could be exactly the same as they are. Um, it mm -hmm. wasn't an indirect attempt at control. It was like I said, my attempt at creating the safety and the security for myself first. So that when I returned, 
I knew that I had a better chance at continuing in alignment on my own journey and not falling back into those old habits and patterns. It's still continuing to new, create this new pattern of acknowledging my needs, even within those relationships that I knew intuitively it would be the hardest. Um, mm. And of course, in the byproduct of it is they have changed. They have, you know, allowed that dysregulation of the system for to create space for them to now be and embody um, different relationships with all of us. My sister and I actually just ex, uh, exchanged texts, I think it was last night even, mm. where she got to a place in the book um, where I was describing me attempting to utilize some boundaries within the mm. relationship with her. Um, <laughs> she is the ma- family member that I feel the closest to given our past you know, experiences growing together in the mm-hmm. home. Um, and she acknowledged, so in the beginning when I started to initiate and use boundaries, it didn't go well. She very much expected me, right, to show up in the embodiment of that mm-hmm. old self. And as I began to split away to do things differently, it was very difficult. Um, and there was a lot of reactivity. Um, there was a lot of probably felt abandonment. She felt yeah. I was leaving and she got scared. Speaking of that word, she brought that up. We had a beautiful text exchange, honest, um, for the first time again, and not the first time, as of recent, um, though honesty, sharing how we really feel was not part of my family experience. So here I am gifted <laughs> really with this beautiful text where my sister was able to say, you know, I look back at the book, I look back at, you know, my awareness as I was seeing you. She's like, I, if I'm honest, Nicole, I was seeing you shift and change. I was beginning mm. to experience you differently. You were taking care of yourself in this new way. And you know what she said, Ben, if I'm honest, it scared me. Yes. It scared me, you know, and, <laughs> and I know what I did now out of fear. I grasped on. I shrieked, don't change, don't leave me. I know it came again from abandonment. That's the language that I would use or fear. Mm-hmm. Um, change Beautiful. is hard. It's hard for our relationships. And I just, I thanked her um, for sharing that with me, for her ability to acknowledge. And I also empathized and shared all of the ways that I was scared too and still am mm-hmm. scared. Fear is a very implicit part of change for all of us humans. Hey. In a positive direction, right? <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. That's like, ooh, I love that just because it is, because you both felt it. And that that's the thing, right? Is it, yeah, fear of abandonment. And whether you want to talk about the previous example of people, um, you know, like in the family, unit or work or the example you gave of like people misunderstanding and like coming after you they're coming from a place of fear too Mm -hmm. you know so it's not that you know we still have those boundaries and things like that but like the understanding that that's where they're coming from and for you i really only think it works i mean this is for all of us because you truly had to be from that place of surrender of like i don't know if this is going to change and you had to like be at peace with that. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think surrender is such an active part of our, our journey, right? Surrendering to what is now, um, oftentimes without awareness of what will come as a result of it. Um, and so many of us don't. We kind of wonder, you know, oh, if this is how it is now, we either suppress it, deny it, or we focus, over-focus on what will come if this is how it is now. Yeah. Not knowing that we are ever-changing beings, um, surrendering often to what is now actually creates the space for something to be different in the future. Yeah. And on that note, 
one misconception of this work or your work or the work, whatever is um, like, what, what's, how can I put this like over healing or like over digging? Does that make sense? Or like unnecessarily trying to fix. So what is your experience or journey with that? Like, does it ever come to a point kind of, it kind of goes with achieving, I guess of it's like, okay, to breathe and pause. So is it possible to do too much quote unquote work? Yeah. And I think that, you know, sometimes when I hear this question asked or, or amused about, I think we're confusing um, awareness, that open state of receptivity, you know, allowing myself to be with whatever is present in the moment from the overanalyzation that comes yep. from your thinking mind. Um, and I do see when the work is misinterpreted that I'm, mm -hmm. this, you know, healing soldier who heals all day long. <laughs> it's like actually healing, in my opinion, is a state of not yeah. doing, is a state of being. Yes. So if you are overanalyzing your thoughts, chances are you're too much in your thinking mind. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, healing, I think, happens when we are embodied, we're open, we're receptive to all that is in the current moment, stress or peace. Um, whatever feeling it is that dysregulates us, knowing that we can bring ourselves internally through choice. Sometimes that might mean leaving the environment, right? Though we can empower ourselves to regain that awareness, that state of receptivity. Um, so anytime I, I hear or I see the misinterpretation or the concern of I'm overanalyzing myself, mm -hmm. and can't just be done. Yeah, we're done when we're in a pure state of being. And if we are overanalyzing ourselves, we might again be too much in the thinking mind in a different direction. Still mm -hmm. a distraction, still keeping us outside of our bodies in a lot of ways. I love that. And um, one, I forgot what I was going to ask, but this just came up, came up while you were talking. And is your approach to this, like he said, like too much in the mind, I think in the, in the book, I know you call yourself somewhat, you call yourself a hippie, but it's something else in it too. What do you say? A what? Like a hippie? My hippie, my, hippie, my, my hope to be a hippie at heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hippie at heart. That's what it is. Hippie at heart. What is something that people would be surprised or what do you wish that or hope or would like people to know that's more about you? Because you do have, because as much as like your background, like you said, right? Um, like the academics, the logical aspect of things if people don't know, like there is so much love and like intuition and even energetics and all the hippie things that they probably don't even know are happening. <laughs> like, like you bring that in. So what is something in that world? Yeah. I think the, the, the heart behind it, I think mm -hmm. a lot of times, especially the way I present myself, the way I intentionally, you know, utilize social media in a much more neutral way and beautifully full circle, my own inherent difficulty with being vulnerable, with not being right in that not every, you know, I'm okay place. Anytime I'm not okay, it's still very difficult um, for me to show, to show the emotion. So I think in a lot of ways, um, people that don't know me personally, don't spend time with me um, and maybe just see the perception on social media might not fully be, you know, in energetic communication of all of the feelings um, that do live inside of me that are there, um, the heart of love that is there that I think sometimes can get lost in translation. Um, a, we can't just show all full aspects of ourself online. B, there is you know, a lot of intention around the way that all of our social media, all of our internet virtual presence um, is, is had that you know, is intentional, is, is separate from perhaps yes. how you'd experience me in real life. And 
as an evolving healing human, I'm still struggling to make room <laughs> for my emotions in my real life, to even show those closest to me um, outside of showing them I'm stressed out, which I got really good at throughout my life. You know, I, for me, that was a point of connection. Oh, I'm stressed. Listen to me complain. Now I have to learn other ways to connect with people, other emotions that I can safely share um, with those around me. So I think, you know, the, the thing that I would like people to know about me um, is, you know, how much there is below. Um, though at the same time, as much as I'm asked that question, I have an answer. I also know that we're, we project on people. We see yep. people how we are. We see through the lenses of our experience. So as much as I could say till I'm blue in the face, this is who I am and how I am. You really are <laughs> going to experience me, even in my personal life, more based on how you are. Um, than how I am at all. Mm -hmm. So I always and, follow up that question with it. <laughs> yeah, and you know, <laughs> can't change what people are going to think. Mm -hmm. Well, and it goes back to even like the embodiment that you were talking about. And it's cool because one thing I've come to realize, you know, at people sending me things is like, I also need to show up in the way for them too. Because mm -hmm. that's it, exactly what they need. So not only for the people who love us, but for the people, like that's exactly what they need is like for us to show up in that way, even though, cause it does, it's threatening their current paradigm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I remember what I was going to say is that you put a hermetic quote at the beginning, which I thought was very interesting. <laughs> well, Nicole, like, oh man, like, yeah, I can tell you how loved you are, but truly like, I love you. There's so many people that love you. Is there anything else on your heart that you feel called to share right now? I appreciate that, Ben. And I, your, your support um, from the beginning has been so meaningful to me. Um, everyone out there who has ever listened to my work or listening to me now, I'm just so grateful because to speak to your point, um, I do believe that healing happens as we continue to learn for many of us, how to embrace our authenticity, our stories, all of it. Um, and as each of us empower ourselves to tell our stories, whether it's in our small communities or relationships or much more globally as you and I and others are doing, um, that is how I believe that change happens. So I just love to always honor um, the curiosity, which is mainly the, the spark, which is often the spark that starts an individual on a journey like this, um, because it, it is a brave, vulnerable place to be mm -hmm. and to entertain um, what are meant for many of us ingrained beliefs the only way of being that we yes. the only um, way of operating in our relationships that we understood which is often again fear-based for so many of us so to begin to challenge ourselves in this new way um, is incredibly inspirational and is in my opinion how we do the work of collective healing um, that i believe is is really happening now mm. thank you for showing up thank you for being yo brave is can be God. <laughs> yeah, thank you just for not just only what you do, because I know you got that locked down, but who you be. Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in today. Make sure you follow Nicole on Instagram if you haven't already. Um, all of her links can be found there so you can get her book. Um, so go in the description to find her links if you don't follow her already at The Holistic Psychologist. Thank you for tuning in. It says a lot about you that you're spending and investing your time in this way. So it's incredible. I think you're awesome. And if you haven't already, please subscribe on Apple, follow on Spotify. You can also watch these episodes on YouTube if you want to get the video version and sharing this with a friend or even leaving a review. So if you have an iPhone, if you li listen on Apple Podcasts, 
When you leave a review, it helps it get recommended to other amazing humans like you who are searching for the tools, for the truth that we already have inside of us. All we need to do is remember because none of us need to be fixed. We don't need to be fixed. Nothing is wrong with us. But conversations like this help reveal and remember um, of who we really are. So thank you so much for doing that. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. And we will talk to you soon. Adios.